Alright, this is kind of my first help for uh, life issues this year. Back, uh, Pat, well, let you read those when you get there for us, brother. So yeah, right right there at the end of uh, verse 38, it talks about having a ribbon of blue on your garments. And I was going to try to put this on the screen, but I, did, I didn't bring my cable. But this is kind of an old-timey Jewish garment. And most of them have, you know, fringes. But, you know, some of them would put blue. So we got a little blue ribbon. And uh, and you got to have one, too. And, uh, so anyway, it says it, that the Jews were, and what's funny is, this is, uh, this is, uh, in, in Numbers 12 is when they went to spy out the land, and in Numbers 13, they, the 10 bring back the bad report, you know, the giants there were like grasshoppers in their sight, you know, they got walled cities, and so they don't go into the, they don't go into the promised land because of their unbelief, and so right after that, in number 15, it says, you guys need to put a blue ribbon on your garments so that you can remember uh, all of my words. So I just thought it'd be good this year if we would have a blue ribbon where we would, you know, look upon it and just remember God loves me. You know, I'm not going through anything that he can't bring me out of, you know, whatever uh, may may help us just to remember the word of God. And so that's, uh, just gotta have a place of preeminence in our lives this coming year, amen? So anyway, any thoughts or questions about that? Just kind of, uh, I guess I didn't get that on the recording, so apologize for that. Got a couple on Facebook. Did he say Sarah Woolsey's on there? So Sarah, Sarah's been coming on Friday nights and <coughs> hoping to be back with us again soon. Oh, hey, Sarah Elizabeth. We've been thinking about you. Dottie, we miss you, sister. Now, if you got a handout, did everybody get a handout? Sometimes we... Give you a hand up, but today we're giving you a hand out. But uh, if you look at your handout, the, I've been trying to give you just some quotes about suffering. Suffering is certainly a theme in the book of Job. But uh, 
I gave you First Peter 3.14 on your handout there. It says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. And I just thought it was, when you think of suffering, you don't think about being happy, do you? <laughs> but that's what it's, if you suffer for righteous sake, you know, happy are you. We we all do want to be happy. So uh, I know sometimes when I feel like I'm getting sick, I, I, I just like, Lord, you know, I don't want to be sick. I, but, you know, if you want me to learn something through this, I just kind of yield myself to that. And so, anyway, it's good when I do remember to thank you, Lord. You know, you know I'm getting sick, but uh, help me if you want to. But if you don't, you know, I'm happy anyway. So, anyway, there's just a verse I wanted to share with you this morning. Now, this this chapter in Job 14, if you want to go ahead and turn to Job 14, uh, because Job 15 starts kind of the second round of discussion with his friends. Uh, each of his three friends have came to him and they were going to uh, comfort him. And so uh, each of them, uh, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, kind of in that order. And if you, if you look at chapter 15, it starts out, then answered Eliphaz, the Timonite. So it, chapter 15 kind of starts the second round of of his of his friends uh, speaking to him about his suffering and why he's going through what he's going through, but in chapter fourteen where we're at, we'll we'll finish Job's thoughts here this, today, and he he really says a lot of the same. Do you guys remember when we we studied chapter three? You know, he just said, you know, cursed is the day that a man child was born. He curses the day of his birth. It's like let it be stricken from the calendar, you know, let that ye- day of the year be dark and nobody remember it. He's just really cursing the day of his birth. Well, in this chapter, he just really says some of the same things, but he really talks about the brevity of life and how short it is. And so if somebody would read the first three verses for us, in fact, Pat, you already read maybe. Well, let's go with uh, Heather, and we'll kind of go around this way. The first three verses, yeah, just the first three. Uh huh. Yeah, he is. <clears throat> right, so this this man that's born of a woman, she's of a, he's of a few days, and those few days are full of trouble. And most of us, probably all of us, would say amen to that. There's just uh, lots of trouble, and we we know that. Job, we said, is a type of the Jew in the tribulation, and that's called the time of Jacob's trouble, is the, the tribulation period. So, again, you, you see words like this, and your little antenna should...
perk up and say, oh, you know, that's the same word used at the time of Jacob's trouble. And, boy, here's Job, and Job's name means one persecuted. His days are full of trouble. But then it says he cometh forth like a flower. So he compares a man's life to this flower and also as to a shadow. And and we know if, you know, if we were to look at a fence post out here, you know, the shadow would would move constantly through the day and it'd be gone by night. And that's what he's likening uh, someone's life to. But this this thing of flower, uh, I gave you some verses here. I wanted us to think about this for a little bit. Um, look at the hold your place here and go to the First Peter one twenty four. <clears throat> the because uh, when we think of flowers, we might think of you know a rose. That's pretty popular. But, uh, well, let, let's read this verse and then let's make a comment. Uh, Jim, we're going to skip you, Angie. First Peter one twenty four. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth. <clears throat> so all flesh is as grass. And, and what did it say about the flower of grass? And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. So, in the Bible, this grass and flower of grass, uh, I, I think of like a clover. You know, we, we bale clover for hay, but clover has a, a flower to it. But in the Bible, uh, you probably remember Matthew 6 where it says that uh, it talks about the lilies of the field. And it says that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And so uh, it talks about the lilies of the field. And then it even says the grass of the field. So it like lilies is a grass with a flower on it. And... Uh, so if you look at your teaching point on your handout and just read that with me and and then feel free to comment. My teaching point is our flesh is as is like grass with flowers on it or flowering grass. Matthew 6, 28 to 33 speaks of the lilies of the field as being the grass of the field. And Solomon prophetically called Jesus the lily of the valleys. That's in Psalm, Song of Solomon 2 verse 1. And the, the word lily comes from the Hebrew meaning whiteness, just as Jesus is pure and white. Uh, the lily is fragrant like our Lord, and though it is the tallest of the flowers, of flowers, it is bowed toward the earth in humility. And Jesus was both man and God. The lily has six petals, the number of man, containing seven seeds, the, the number of perfection. I don't know why I put time failed, but to draw out the parallels of the fruitful trumpet-shaped flower, but note that it has many uh, medicinal virtues for healing, just like our Lord 
Some varieties of lilies are scarlet red, which reminds us that many are still lost in their sins and have not been washed uh, white as snow. So I think I got some of that maybe even from uh, uh, Clarence Larkham. Or I can't remember where I read some of those similarities. But uh, so anyway, I guess I guess I just wanted to comment. Job is commenting that man is like this flower. And if we think of just uh, like annual flowers that have to be planted every year, that, you know, life is short. But even uh, perennials that grow every year, they 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 fade every their seasons to it. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of a powerful thing that Job likens his life to a flower. But uh, it can be very powerful. Uh, just to think about that. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking of something else too, Jim? No, I think yeah, you know, God does stuff like that. Kind of trees, flowers. Yeah. Uh, we understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Solomon was a master of just looking at ants and. Yeah. And I remember Sunday school teachers just getting a little ant farm and learning about God by studying ants, you know. So are called husbands after the word husbandry like you know horticulture like you're saying and we talk about cultivating relationship well that, that's a farming term to cultivate so very very instructive just to even things that we overlook in our daily lives so any other thoughts uh, yeah it's hidden in plain sight, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if we just take time to look and listen and study and talk about it. Well, uh, he asked this question in verse 3 that Heather read, and dost, dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Uh, King David said something similar. I put on your handout verse Psalm 8, 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? So that that is, he's saying how short life is, and how, you know, he t- talks about kind of the futility of it, but 
But he, he marvels that God would visit or consider him or look upon such a one and, and bring him into judgment. So that, I think it's good to note that, you know, even though Job's lost his health, he's lost his livelihood, he's lost all these things, he still knows God's hand is upon him. He has a relationship with the Lord. And so we don't want to miss that. And then he says in verse 4, uh, Emmett, if, if you read that for us, brother. Yeah, he answers his own question. Uh, he's considering himself this unclean thing, and how can God make him clean? And I put a verse on your handout just that only God can do that. Uh, but Jesus beheld them. And said unto them, with men this is impossible, with God all things are possible. So that's Matthew 19.26. And then uh, Pam, would you read 5 and 6 for us? Now, this is one thing, uh, it, it mentions accomplish as in hireling his day. So, you know, somebody that works eight hour a day, when they, when they clock out, that's his day. So it's a little bit like that, but he does, he does want to accomplish what God put him here for. And, uh, most of you are familiar with Second Timothy at the end of Paul's life. He says, you know, I run my race, I fought the good fight, and he says, I finished my course. He said, he feels like he did what God asked him to do in reaching the Gentiles, but look at this, uh, hold your place here and look at this place in Acts 13. This is about, uh, John the Baptist, because I think this is kind of a prayer of all of ours that we would like to finish well, that's a term that I that I use sometimes, especially as I get older. Uh, you know, we want to finish well. Uh, we know people, uh, Acts 13 and uh, 30, 35. In fact, Jim, I'll let you read that and skip right. over you. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to be corruption. That wasn't it, was it? Uh thirteen twenty four, that's what I said. <laughs> All right. Twenty four yeah. John had first speech before his coming, the baptism of the and 25, that's the one. <laughs> okay, so did, did you notice that verse 25, as John fulfilled his course, that was the little phrase that I picked up on. I What I believe is, I believe that John the Baptist I mean, he was anointed from his birth. He was this 
kind of wild man that was in the wilderness and he, he had uh, leather and he ate locusts and wore camel skins or whatever it was. And, but I believe at some point he read Isaiah 40 where it's, there's a voice as one in the wilderness that prepares the way for the Lord. That, that was John the Baptist. His course, his goal was to prepare a way for the Messiah. And he, John the Baptist is the one that baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And at that point, the Spirit of God, like a dove, came on Christ. And John 1 says, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And it says that he baptized him to manifest him to all Israel. And he did that. He fulfilled his course. And you know what? Boom. After he did that, Herod put him in jail and uh, at a feast, he had him beheaded. Just, just right after John fulfilled. So Acts here is telling us, so sometimes even a short life, uh, you know, you think, gosh, he was cut down in his thirties. John was. He was, uh, six months older than Christ, wasn't he? He was just six months. He was Christ's cousin or second cousin. And, uh, you think, what a tragedy. Well, no, he fulfilled his course. And so sometimes young people can fulfill their course and accomplish what God had for them. And so anyway, that, that's what, uh, Job is saying, you know, he'd like to accomplish like in hireling, like God, what do you hired me to do? I'd like to accomplish my day in verse six, it said. So hopefully as we, you know, look at this new year, we can, we can even say that, you know, Lord help me to accomplish what you'd have me to do this year. And, um, I seen, uh, I seen a little bit of, I think it was CNN's New Year in New York and they had Samuel Jackson and his wife on there and Anderson Cooper asking him, you know, what's your resolution? Cause uh, Samuel Jackson's 74. He said, well, one of my goals is to be 75. <laughs> I just thought, well, that's not a bad goal. I'd like to live another year, but it's a little bit vain. I mean, it might be better stated in another way, but it's kind of clever of him to say that. Job uh, 14, 7 through 9, uh, Kaylee, if you can read those. Yeah, I like those, yeah. So, uh, here, and, you know, we're kind of a farming community here. You've probably all witnessed that, especially if you cut off a, a little sprout, it oftentimes comes back, doesn't it? And, and even bigger trees, it says like here, if a tree being cut down and uh, it, it talks about having the hope of a tree. If it just has the scent of water, we, we think, you know, water doesn't really have a scent to it, but evidently it does to a, 
a plant, there's a certain, uh, one thing I heard this week in uh, Psalm chapter 1, uh, that a man who's in the word of God, he's like this tree that's, he's prosperous, he's planted by the river of, of waters, and and the the guy talking said it's like its roots go to the water for nourishment. So it's, you know, people are likened to trees. And so, um, I don't know if you want to look at your next page, but my teaching point here is that this passage would be a good funeral message. And I, I've done probably 10 funerals and I really think the next one I do will come from Job 14 at this passage here because if people are like trees and, you know, you cut one down, uh, is there hope of them? And and kind of the answer is yes, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But um, uh, what I wanted us to see is that Israel is likened to three trees in the Bible. And not surprisingly, one of them is a fig tree. And even in the end times, that there's a generation of people that can see the fig tree bring forth leaves. It says that that generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. And and we've talked about prophecy is like uh, that... uh, you know, either in 1948 or 1967, because in 1948, uh, Israel became a nation again in 1948 at the end of World War II. And in 1967, they got possession of Jerusalem. And so for sure, one of those, Israel is like this fig tree that's bringing forth leaves. It's showing... so. You know, from the time that it went into Babylonian captivity in the days of Jeremiah, all the way till 1948, over 2,000 years, almost 2,500 years, it was not a nation. It was scattered among other nations. And uh, so, anyway, in in the Bible, it's likened to a, a fig tree. And you know, even with Adam and Eve, when they fall into sin, they cover themselves with fig leaves. And so sometimes it symbolizes self-righteousness that we would cover ourselves. Uh, <clears throat> but then it's also like a vine tree. And, of course, Christ says he is the true vine. And when we think of a vine, we don't think of it as a tree. But at least twice in the Bible, the vine is called a vine tree. Once in Judges and once there in Ezekiel that I gave you. But then uh, the third the third tree, who, th- who knows what the third tree they're like? The olive, yeah. Good job. All, several of you got that one. <clears throat> and uh, they say that there's olive trees in Israel over a thousand years old. And uh, we, we were at the Mount of Olives and in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's several olive trees and they... They think that's right where Christ uh, prayed. It's right at the base of the Mount of Olives. So the, like the Mount of Olives and then there's kind of a valley and then there's Jerusalem is on Mount Zion. And so it's kind of toward the valley where the Mount of Olives, they got 
a fence around it, so you kind of walk around it. And, of course, there's a big Catholic church there, and there's a rock where they think maybe Christ prayed, and a lot of people were, you know, touching the rock. And But, uh, anyway, this olive tree, if, if we'll, let's look at Romans 11. I think we got time to chase a few of these things down. Talking about trees and Job's likening himself to a tree that, you know, even if it's cut down, it has hope of sprouting forth bows again. So uh, Romans 11. And we let, let me read these if we can, because this is like Israel being like an olive tree and the church being gra- grafted into it. So Luke, or I'm sorry, Romans 11. 16, it says, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with the part, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. But wilt thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest... He also spared not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut off, of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, have ye should, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so that's this uh, analogy of the Gentiles being like the wild olive trees by nature, being grafted into the good olive tree or the natural olive tree, and, uh, you know, being given life from the root. Anyway, I, I just like that, that, uh, I like those verses there. And so we, we shouldn't boast that we're some great thing because we weren't part of it, but God has grafted us in. But, uh, Israel is blinded until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And that, that'll take place at the rapture and then, uh, 
Israel's blinders will be taken off and they'll realize they missed their Messiah and, uh, there'll be this remnant in the, in the tribulation. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts or comments? Just, uh, talking about this tree. Well, let's go back to Job then. And, uh, if somebody can read 10 through 12, uh, Brian. Now, uh, I hadn't thought of this. I mean, I, I've actually thought of this on my own, but I, I didn't know. Uh, I want you to think with me for a little bit. So if we're in, let's say, the cross of Calvary on this timeline was there, and the church is here, and we're, uh, you know, we're, we're toward the end of it. We're here in 2023 now. It's pretty wild to ride, but. We know that there'll be a rapture and the Lord coming again. And then uh, sometimes the the thousand year millennium is called uh, the kingdom age. Where, uh, but uh, I want you to think before that with, with with Adam and Eve, all the way back at the beginning, we call that an, an age of. If you think of dispensations a little bit. They had an age of innocence before they fell. They fell into sin. They, they took it to forbidden fruit. And, uh, and then, uh, they had a son named Seth and that was an age of conscience. So they were innocent. <clears throat> and then, uh, I didn't rehearse this very good. I'm, I'm trying to think in my mind. Uh, you know, after, after him, uh, was it Noah? Yeah. And of course, uh, that, that was the human government. And then at, at the end of that was the, the flood. Now, say this a little bit wrong. There was, uh, Abraham. And then Moses. <clears throat> but the, the, the thing, the thing that connects this with Job here, I want you to see what he says here. This man that dieth and wasteth away and gives up the ghost, where is he? He says, it's as the waters fail from the sea and the flood that decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth up. Till heavens be no more, in verse 12, they shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. And it even says in verse 13, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret but until thy wrath be passed, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. So, so like if, if we were, if we were to die today, the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We, 
we go to be with the Lord. But uh, from Abraham's time on, uh, those people, uh, their sins had not been paid for. They'd only been covered, right? That's what the Day of Atonement was, where the sacrificial uh, offerings would cover their sin for another year. And so so they, they went to a place called Abraham's bosom or a place of uh, paradise. But so, you know, Job lived right around in here. He, he lived at the time of Abraham's children. And I, I think he's speculating here, these people that died during the flood time, am I going to be like them where they just remain in the grave until uh, there's a, there's a, a great white throne judgment here. T H R O. There's a judgment here at the end of the millennium. So at the rapture, we, we go to the judgment seat of Christ where we're judged. But, uh, he, I, I think he's saying in that verse there that these people that died when the water decayed and dried up does man lie down and rise not up again till the heavens be no more do these people are they in the grave until here I, I think that's what he's saying it it's kind of stretches our thinking a little bit I don't know if anybody really thought about this because what we know is is you know, Israel is God's wife and the church is the bride of Christ. And I kind of speculate if, if some of these are connected with the Holy Spirit. But anyway, uh, it's just a lot to think about. But you know, every, every word of God is, is pure. And um, I wanted to put that out there because as you read through there, he, he's going to say, in fact, uh, somebody read verses 14 and 15. Uh, here in Job 14, where, where are we at? Pat, are we back to you? 14 and 15. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my only time I wait, for my change time. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Till my change come. And so, you know, as you're reading about this stump that's cut down, it's maybe not giving a lot of hope, but it is, it is saying that this stump could sprout forth some bows, some, if it's given a little water. And, and so now he, he's saying, in fact, hold your place here and look at, uh, chapter 19, Job 19, just a couple pages over, because this is probably the most probably the most prominent place in the Old Testament that speaks of a resurrection. Uh, chapter 20, uh, 26 and 27, uh, Heather. Wait a minute. Uh, chapter 19. I'm sorry. Yeah, 19 verse 26. No, uh, Joe. 26 and 27. 
Yeah, so he believes, this is one thing you gotta get your head around. He believes in a literal resurrection of the body. And, you know, and he, and he said in verse 14 that Pat read, till my change comes, and, and, and that, that speaks to us of the, the language of 1 Corinthians 15. You know, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the trump. Uh, the dead shall rise. And so it uses that exact same word. Job saying, till my change comes. And in a New Testament sense, you know, we're going to be changed in a moment. So in the twinkling of, so how they, they say that you, you blink your eye in like one twelfth of a second. So that, that's how fast. The resurrection will be the, or the rapture when we, we, we get changed and, and this mortality shall take on immortality and, uh, corruption. Uh, so mortality speaks to people that are alive. We're mortal and we're going to take on him. So those of us that are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up together with the Lord in the air, but the dead in Christ shall rise first. The, those that are in the, the grave that they're, bodies are corrupting they're going to take on incorruption and our mortality will take on immortality so anyway that that's a more of a new testament uh description that but job is even talking about uh folks in the time of the flood and so i i just wanted to bring that up but let's let's press on we've got 15 minutes here and we're going to do this last section here. My teaching point there was just this passage would be a good funeral passage or message. And uh, John eleven twenty five is where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he asked uh, Mary if she believes that. <clears throat> All right. Verse 16, uh, Jim. For now, thou numberest my steps, dost thou not watch over my sin? Okay. So, that's a good question. Does God, is God watching me that closely? He knows my step, how many steps we take. And I put here, uh, that we, see I didn't give you your next blank in the previous section was, uh, his, his desire. Uh, oh yeah, changed. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm getting behind. Changed desire. And then, uh, this next one is ownership. And we know this about animals that you know, they mark off their territory. They, they walk around their, their fence or whatever and they kind of. So I just want to talk just briefly. You know, we, we are called to walk in the spirit 
And in these verses that I gave you here, you know, God, God told Abraham to walk in the promised land and all the places that your foot touches will I give you. He says things like that. And, uh, what, what, what is one of the names for the, the devil here? He's called the something of this world. He's the God of this world. And, um, do you, do you know, do you know in, in chapter one of Job, it says, you know, God asked him, where have you been? And he says, I've been walking up and down and to and fro in the earth. He's kind of walking off his owner. He is the God of this world. He, he's taking ownership. At least he's, you know, renting it or he's a tenant. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, God uh, owns the world. But anyway, there's just this thing about walking and, and that's why it says to walk in the spirit because in essence, we are, as we take steps of faith, we, we talk about that. We are procuring, you know, I'm trusting God for this. I'm believing God for that. We're taking those steps of faith and it's procuring his goodness or his grace in our life to uh, obey him and follow him. And, uh, you know, it even says in first John that we are to walk as he walked. So anyway, all these are things about steps and it's really just a forward progress, progressive and deliberate movement. And uh, it represents uh, ownership. Cool. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, Joshua was told some of the similar things. Like, where, where the sole of your foot touches, there will I give you. I really think that's why God told Moses to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground. Like, this is God's ground. You know, you don't get it. Or there's something to that even there. <clears throat> Amen. All right, so verse 17, uh, Angie. My transgression is sealed up in the bag, and thou sowest up my name. So I, that's kind of a wild thought, isn't it? It's, we, we kind of want our, our sins for God to cover them and heal, uh, seal them up and take them away. And so he, he, he gives us that image there. Uh, in verse 18, talks, and surely the mountain falling cometh to naught and the rock is removed out of his place. I think there's some things there maybe about the tribulation period and uh, a little bit of connection even to our faith that we, if we had faith as a mustard seed, we could move mountains. Um, but Emmett, why don't you read verse 19 there, if you would. And I don't, I don't, have you ever been out in, uh, maybe Colorado or places where you can see, you know, a flat rock and it's kind of worn away from the water going over it? And, and that's, 
he's he's kind of saying, you know, this is, Job's kind of worn out right here. He's feeling like all this stuff that's happened is just eroded away uh, his, his life. And he says, "Thou washest away the things which grow out of the dust of the earth, and and even the hope of man." So he he's losing hope. He's sitting here with this. Uh, boils on his body. And uh, the thing I was reading said that there's other things that come out of the dust of the earth. So let's look at those two places in Genesis there. Hold, hold your place here. Look at Genesis 2. thought these were kind of interesting. Uh, Pam, if you can do 219 of Genesis. So yeah, he he also formed the beast of the field and the fowl of the air out of the ground, as he did. Adam as well, and then uh, what's the three, three fourteen, uh, Kaylee? Yeah, Genesis. Yeah. And I've heard this just that, uh, serpents were, I mean, now, I mean, they had feet at some point there. They, they were standing upright. And so that's part of their curse is now they have to go on the dust of the earth all their days and on their belly. But I, I've heard this that, that you can see this in the skeleton of a snake that it, it has like provision for legs or something. I've seen that, that, I don't know if it was Kent Hovine, uh, he done a lot of, I don't, I don't think it was the creation in Genesis, it was Kent Hovine that has some series and he, he brings that out. Um, but anyway, so there's some things about the dust of the earth and man was formed, the living creatures and, and now the devil himself has to go, uh, in the dust of the earth on his belly. Uh, verse 20, back in Job, we've got three more verses. Uh, Brian, you want to do 20? Now, the thing I was reading about this, it's, you kind of get, when you read that, if this is your first time you've read that, it's kind of confusing, but if you think of this as a judgment, let's think right now about this great white throne judgment. Uh, lost people that uh, that appear there, I mean, regardless of how many degrees or how rich you were, how famous you were, you know, you might just kind of walk into that judgment like, yeah, I'm I'm superstar, whoever, you know, but it says that God is going to prevail 
and their their countenance will change, won't it? It's like you might come into this thinking I'm I'm somebody, you know, I owned all this and I did all this, or but but you're if you're if you're condemned to the lake of fire, your countenance is going to change. That that's the thing I was reading. I'm like, whoa, that's that's quite a thought, isn't it? That God is going to prevail and God's going to change their countenance and send them away. That's what it says, and sendest him away. Like, whoa. That's a that's a pretty heavy thought. And uh then in verse twenty one. It says, his sons come to honor and he knoweth it not and they are brought low, but he perceiveth it not of them. And so this is almost the reverse of Job because Job actually outlived his son. They, they died, but he's speaking of someone whose sons come to honor, but, uh, you know, it'd be like, me dying and then Luke becoming some famous guy of honor, maybe I wouldn't know it because I, I would have already passed on. So anyway, and then uh, verse 22, uh, Pat, we'll wrap this up. And so I, I just put the word uh, pain in, in your last blank. Just the word pain. And that's associated with, uh, you know, a, a lost person. We know that, uh, you know, if, if I didn't put Luke Luke 16 on there, but I guess I did in, in my teaching point there just, Hell is a place of torment and sorrow for the lost. And, uh, so yeah, and that their soul within them shall mourn. So, so, so Job is a type of the Jew in the tribulation period. He's a type of a lost man in hell. And uh, even we've noticed at times he's a picture of, of Christ. Uh, on the cross, uh, suffering. So this thing of suffering is the primary theme of, of Job. And next week we'll look at Eliphaz and his next round of discussion with Job. But is there any other thoughts as we conclude today? You know what? I don't. I don't think I hit my start button. I did not hit my start button. So there's no, there's no, uh, I guess I have to get it online with, <laughs> yeah, it didn't come through. So anyway, no, yeah, I forgot to turn on. Well, anyway, happy new year to everybody. And, uh, hopefully this is relevant. Hopefully you can look down at your uh, blue band this week and remember the, the word of God. Did you get a, a blue card, a blue band? Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. 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 I'll get, if we, it was a deal where you buy a hundred, you get 200 free. So we got 300 of these. Yeah. They're pretty cheap too. So anyway, let's pray. We'll, uh, get out a little early. Father in heaven.
I do thank you for your word. Father, it's good to start off the new year reading and studying and discussing your word with other believers. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, it's uh, humbling to uh, to hold your word and to put forth your word. And so be with uh, our other pastors this morning and uh, Jim or Pat as they teach our youth. And Lord, uh, have a good hand upon this church this year. Um, be like uh, oh, the great missionary. I'm trying to think of his name right now. Just uh, William Carey. He said to uh, uh, trust you for great things and attempt great things for you. So, Lord, as we uh, attempt great things for you, we, we believe you'll uh, do great things in our lives this year. Help us to uh, look upon this uh, little blue wristband as the Jews did, the, the, the fringe on their garments or the blue ribbon that they uh, fastened on there. And uh, keep us this year and. Uh, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.